Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Jui Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I have a guest. She's from Phoenix, Arizona. Before I introduce my guest, I want to introduce you to my book, which is A Gift from Adversity. Same title as this podcast. This is available on Amazon. And the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. I wrote this book and published in 2020. And after I published my book, I got a lot of feedback and people messaging me that they are also the survivor of child sex abuse, domestic violence, homelessness, etc. I felt very compelled to create a platform where it's safe for people to talk about adversity in difficult conversation. I started this podcast at the beginning of this year, and I'm very, very grateful for all the guests who came from all over the world. And today is not an exception. I really am honored to have tonight's guest. Hi, Gail. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Gail, can you tell our audience? who you are and where you're located and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Gail Lynn and I am located in Phoenix, Arizona. And I am a relationship coach. My uh, website is relationshipsevolving.com. And do you have any social media, Instagram as well? Facebook? I do. Yeah, absolutely. I am on Facebook. So I, it's uh, Relationships Evolving with Gail Lynn. Or if you want to friend me, it would actually be under Gail Lynn Marsh. And I have uh, also a women's group that we do strategies and advice for relationship. And that's called um, Relationships Evolving Women Supporting Women. I'm on Instagram at uh, relationships underscore evolving. And yeah, I think I think I got them all. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. So Gail, can you please tell our audience uh, what was your adversity? Well, you know, it's so interesting. It, it's like we're on this spiritual journey, having this human experience. And it seems like it, it's part of the game that we play is to, to have some kind of adversity that we come up against. And for me, it was kind of a, a, a double whammy. Um, I had a son who was uh, an addict for 10 years and uh, he ended up getting into heroin. And so I had to travel that journey along with um, the reason why I became a relationship coach is because in my own relationship, my husband came to me and expressed his desire to have sex with somebody else. And that sent me into basically the closet crying because at this point I'm dealing with my children, my son who had recently overdosed and we had to do CPR, bring him back to life. And the way my husband was actually dealing with the stress is like wanting more sex. I was actually checking out because, um, you know, I was worried about my son and baby bird. And, and so my energy was focused on that along with the businesses that we owned. And so when, so all of a sudden it's like everything is coming at me, you know, and 
I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. I especially didn't know how to deal with my husband wanting to have sex with somebody else. That was like uh, the thing that really upset my apple cart in my world because it rocked all my beliefs, you know, the, the beliefs that, uh, you know, from the church, one man, one woman. Um, it was also just, you know, uh, having this, this idea that, that we'll be married forever. And so all of a sudden this is starting to come at me and then we get farther down, farther down into the journey. And, you know, I, it was like, everything was being stripped from me. Everything that I knew, every piece of, of, you know, like even being a mother of an addict of, of trying to deal with that whole space along with trying to deal with my relationship. And then, um, it started to get, you know, started to work through some things, but as we also started to work through things and, um, it's like the universe decided to really send me into this dark night where, um, I also ended up having to walk away from my job for ethical reasons. So then I lost my identity through my corporate job that I used to have. I, um, then also, uh, my husband and I not, not because he wanted to have sex with somebody else, but for other reasons, we chose to get a divorce. So now I'm losing my identity as uh, a wife. And to top it off, my son ended up dying from the overdose. Um, so it was like all in one swoop, I, I, all these identities were being lost. And now I am faced with having to figure out who I am and, you know, feeling just like I've been completely brought down to my knees because I, who am I? What am I doing here? Why am I here? I am so sorry. And especially the loss of your son. How long ago was this? That was actually not that long ago. That was only like seven months ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How old was he? He uh, was 27. He would have been 28 a month later. So yeah. And, and it was, you know, dealing with, with everything that happened with him, it was not just the addiction, but also he was sex trafficked. And so having to deal with that and realizing um, all the pain and everything that he was going through, you know, it's, it just kind of, it drops you to like, wh what happened? Where did we go wrong? Um, you know, all of these things start flooding in and it gets to be pretty intense because it, uh, it's a big level of grief to go through, you know, grief for that grief for, um, even having the divorce, even though I, we're really good friends and we get along and we chose to do it for very good reasons. Um, it's still a process of grieving that life that you had for so many years that, you know, because now the universe is saying, okay, who are you going to trust? Is it the, the marriage you're going to trust or is it something more? So let's dissect a little bit 
you mentioned a little bit about sex trafficking. Yeah. So, so my son, uh, we ended up having somebody that we, we knew we thought he was a really good friend, um, take our son after one of his overdoses and he was going to take him under his wing. He, he said he had, um, a way that he knew he could help him and that his brother was an addict. And, you know, so, so as a mother, I was like, um, like taken back that somebody would care about my son in such a way that they would help us to work through this recovery. Well, then as we found out, he was actually, um, using him and giving him drugs in place of having sex with other men. And so it was sex trafficking and, and we had no ideas. Uh, we had a friend contact us and say, Hey, something's not right. Uh, and so we went down there and we were able to pull him out of that situation. Um, however, there was so much more now that he had to deal with that we had to deal with as a family, uh, you know, to start breaking this down. And, uh, you know, he was actually doing really good. He was clean for 154 days. Um, and this guy contacted him again and he knew how to press the buttons because he's an addict, you know, and he lured him out to do it again. And, this time it was it was worse and we believe that our son just um couldn't take the pain the physical pain after we saw what was in the text messages the physical pain along with the emotional pain of what had happened to him and he started using again and you know he got something that had fentanyl in it and it was he hadn't been using and so it didn't take much um, before he overdosed. And we don't think he did it on purpose. We, you know, we think he was just trying to numb out the pain, the physical and emotional pain. I am very, very sorry. I don't know what to say to you. And um, thank you so much for sharing the story on this platform um, and being brave. I think a lot of people, especially mom, like the kids are going through this mental health crisis and addictions and stuff. Sometimes we feel even embarrassed to talk about it. And then sometimes it's too late to get help. And one of the reasons why I wanted to create this kind of platform is to really get rid of this stigma. It's okay to talk about it. And then it is really, significantly important that you are telling the truth and how about your husband ex-husband at this point um when he came to you a lot of times infidelity happens without telling the partner they just do it and you find out later i've had that many times and it's disgusting and then their sexual partner contacted me a couple of times. So, you know, sometimes as bad as it is, it's really like, 
having that open communication from him, I know it was shocking, but how, how did you feel maybe versus if he didn't tell you and did it? Well, first of all, for me, it meant so much more that he actually did come to me rather than finding out that he did cheat on me. Um, and I do believe that he did, he didn't cheat on me. I, I, I do believe that he expressed his desires. Um, however, that didn't change the way I felt like my self-worth. It's like, okay, I've been by you for this long. Um, you know, why am I not good enough? Why do you need to, you know, and I had to start working through all of those things along with, you know, now my safety and security was wrapped up in that relationship, you know, thinking that, you know, this is how I'm going to be taken care of. This is my home. This is, you know, my nest for all my babies. And that felt threatened. And so, you know, when we start having to work through those base, you know, abandonment things, it starts to also bring up the trauma from the past where you realize, oh, this goes deeper than just this. Like this is coming. Um, the reason why I have this reaction is because there's something also that happened in my childhood that created, you know, that space where I'm feeling abandoned. And so a, a lot of stuff has surfaced and it's still, you know, I through life, this is a journey. So some of that stuff still surfaces. And so, you know, we just take care of it as we need to. Do you know what happened um, that in a childhood contributed those surfaces you talked mentioned about what came up? Well, it's interesting because some of it I'm still uncovering or shall I say I'm not uncovering it's it's um, when it's wanting to be revealed, it's being revealed. And I, you know, like last year, there was just a small piece um, that I found out. And, and I don't think my parents really knew better, but I asked my mom what was going on with me, with her while I, when I, when she was pregnant with me. And it was interesting because she said, oh, you know, we were building the house and um, we used to call you Missy. And I said, well, why would you call me Missy? Like, I thought that that was the name of our dog, right? So why are you calling me Missy? And she goes, oh, for mistake. And I didn't realize how profound of a, an effect that something that, you know, that, that you don't really think about how that impacts you even in the womb. And so like I was coming out really not feeling wanted in the first place. Um, but then also finding different, uh, different experiences that I experienced through my childhood where, you know, they were just simple things where my parents weren't around and I was in the hospital. And at, at that time, they didn't allow them to like stay the night, you know, like now we can stay the night with our family members and do all that. It wasn't like that. It was like, you're in a crib and you have this thing over you. So you're basically caged up like an animal. And, you know, just those little things where a child feels completely abandoned because they don't understand where their family went. It seems so benign, but it, it impacts you in such a huge way. And then, 
you know, when I say there's other things that are slowly uh, revealing themselves, there's a lot that I don't remember about my childhood. And so I'm still allowing a space for that to come up if it needs to come up, because I know that there's some things that are kind of still stopping me in life that I need that breakthrough on. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. And sometimes when you are in a womb, I've heard there's memory and then, you know, the birth, I didn't even know that every birthday I felt really suffocated. And every birthday I wanted to like, you know, have this like this kind of weird feeling of death. And my mom later on told me when I was getting pushed, it was really long labor because the umbilical cord was wrapped around or like, no, if she was pushing too long and I was, I, I was like, I came out like really white and then like suffocated. So I'm like, yeah. wow, maybe that is like, cause wow. my, yeah, I didn't even know. Oh, until that's interesting because that happened with my youngest son. Like they were like, you need to push him out now. And mm -hmm. I wonder if that had an effect on him through his life. I'm going to have to ask him. Because <laughs> that's. No, yeah, yeah. But I think every um, body has sort of subconscious memory from the childbirth in the womb and then, you know, obviously childhood and stuff. So, yeah, yeah what you said was interesting. And then how. Um, so how is it going with your husband right now? So you're divorced. So we are, yeah, we are divorced. Uh, and, you know, we're still business partners. And we really chose, um, there was just this space that we started to go into um, when he, he came to me and where we had to start working through all of this stuff. Where do we start? What do we do? You know, it was really trying to get into those spaces. Um, and some of it was, we were very enmeshed with each other. And so part of, part of it for us was really breaking down like who we were because we had been together. And I mean, we worked together, we worked in the same house together, we did business together. So there wasn't very many times during a day that we would actually be, um, apart maybe if he was out working or doing something and sometimes then I was even with them. Um, so we were really enmeshed and there, there was just this space in time where we both had opportunities to go on some different adventures. And so we decided that it would be best if we were actually divorced and wanted to work through that process. And, and so we did, and uh, it's been, it's been good. It's been good for me because I'm really trying, I'm figuring out who I am, like really getting into my authentic self and um, seeing the world differently and experiencing it differently. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And he's, he is getting the same things, um, you know, and, and yet we still support each other. Yeah. So I've, married and then divorced twice and the marriage is very very difficult it's especially like you know somebody like myself uh, who was experienced with the extreme trauma and then sexual abuse and all this identity crisis and 
not knowing my value and then attracting these abusive relationships or even breaking the relationships that might be healthy. And, you know, sometimes these kind of events in your life, um, as hard as it is, it's kind of a awakening, like wake up calls. And I'm very sorry that happened to you. And then I want to ask you a question um, as woman to woman. And somebody, I'm from Japan, but you're raised in America. Um, I'm 45 right now, but in our beliefs in Japan, for instance, my question is that in Japan, women were trained to be a wife, and then there's uh, this word called tsukusu, which is devotion. So devote you devote your life to men. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my mom generations, my grandma's generation, they just serve men. And then they are trained to go to cooking class or sewing class and to be the best wife. But then they don't have much voice once they get into a really bad relationship that they can't get out because of this beliefs of devotion mm-hmm. and your value is not like you are validated without a man, without a marriage. And that is a huge society pressure in Japan. At a certain age, if you are not married, you're not worthy or you're not like a loser kind of. So yeah. I'm not sure in America how you're raised. Maybe if you kind of sit back and take back those kind of maybe bias brainwash kind of beliefs had some impact or effect, what would you say? Oh, there's still some impact. Definitely not as strong as yours. Like your culture is, is much, much more tight around that. Uh, you know, here it's, you still have that instilled through the movies, through um, society, through, especially through religion, you know, like the one man, one wife, um, you know, you should be staying together until death do you part. I mean, it's in the, the things that we say when we choose to get married. And so the nice thing here in the States is, is, you know, we don't, we don't have the pressure like you guys do. You know, there is ways that we can, you know, really, and that's what I kind of do is I work with people on um, reprogramming their beliefs so that they can actually get down to, well, what do you believe? That's what your mom and your grandpa and ancestors, that's what culture is telling you. But what do you really believe deep down inside? Like, who are you? And that's, that's where the beauty's at is when you can really start putting on your authentic self and say, no, this is what I'm going to believe. And, and then being, and then being brave enough to actually be that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So thank you again for sharing your adversity on this platform. And let's move on to the second question, which is the tools that you use to overcome these challenges. This is my favorite part of the podcast, which every single guest has a completely different tools that they use to overcome, not just seeing a counselor, like 
people usually say, oh, you are going through a hardship, just find counsel, but that's not that easy. And I've tried many different modalities. So in your case, you have several different layers of traumas and adversities. How, what's the best tools that you use to overcome those challenges? Well, the, boy, the tools, definitely having family and friends at support, right? That's, that's huge. And can also be hard because everybody has their own beliefs, you know, and how you should take care of it. Um, so for like, as far as around my husband's desires and um, trying to address those, we started tackling that because that's actually affecting our core, uh, you know, our core family part. So we needed to really take a look. And so we started out by amping up the intimacy between just us, you know, and because, because I was in mom mode, I was in business mode and, you know, life in the bedroom was definitely not there. And, and he had never been with anybody else, you know, oftentimes, especially in the States, you know, people kind of have those experiences when they're younger, before they get married. Um, for him, he didn't have that. And so, uh, we did, we, we did the up in the intimacy. We did like things like orgasmic meditation and, uh, things where we could really get in touch with our bodies and, um, just in touch with that sexual part of our, ourselves again. Uh, however, the desire didn't go away. And so then we're, I just like, okay, well, let's figure this out. What does this look like? What, how could we do this and make this work? And so then uh, one of the tools that we actually used was uh, sacred sexuality. And that uh, was a place for us where we could actually go into like a container uh, where there was a lot of, it was actually a lot of self-development, but it was also a lot of intimate exercises. You're not having sex with people or anything like that, but you are having very intimate exercises. And we chose to do it with other people other than between us, um, because that was like us having this this ability to see, well, what would it like to be with other people? And you know, we're actually in a room where I can see him with another woman and he can see me with another man. So um, it was definitely, I, I mean, we put it to the pressure test, just put it that way. And then um, from there, after we were actually done with that, that week, we actually chose to open up our relationship and start seeing other people, which sent us on a whole nother mess. <laughs> of trying to figure out still, how do you do this? You know, the communication circles and the talking and the, you know, it was like a part-time job, just trying to talk through all of these different things and, and how we wanted to do this. And uh, so we kept doing, you know, we did different things like we did landmark and we do this workshop and that workshop. And it was actually a combination of a little bit of everything. It was like, you know, it's like the universe kind of guides you down different steps. When you go on a journey, it's like things will come out. They come up in front of you. And if you recognize it, you can take those opportunities and use them to your advantage. And so, you know, it was from finding all of these different tools and the friends and, um, you know, people who have had these experiences 
that we could talk to uh, that allowed us to be able to form what we really wanted for our relationship. And so from all of that, that's why I do what I did, because I had to go in all of these different areas and figure out, well, you know, how do I deal with my emotions? How do we communicate? You know, what is this anxious attachment style that's showing up in our lives? And how do we deal with that? Oh, oh, one of us is avoidant. Ugh. You know, so that's I took all of that, everything, all my knowledge, all my coaching certification and wrapped it up so that I was a, that now I'm able to help other people in those areas. So that's how we dealt with um, that area. How about your son? That was, that was always a journey. Um, you know, that was a lot of prayers, really a lot of um, learning, you know, how, how to uh, not be codependent because a, a lot of this, a lot of this was showing us how in our relationships, not how to not be codependent, um, how to draw boundaries and, um, you know, through the things that we were also learning uh, through the whole sexual desire stuff, uh, we were able to take a lot of those same tools and be able to apply them to dealing with our son. Um, but that was that was a tough one because it was on and off. He was in our lives, out of our lives. Um, you know, how much do we, you know, how much do you give when he asks for something? And, and so it was a lot of reading and a lot of relying on some outside sources to be able to, um, you know, help us in those areas. But that was a, that was a tough one to deal with. I, I don't know, you know, it's so hard. And how, how do you deal with, with that? <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm thankful that you're sharing a lot of tips about relationships and then, you know, as far as um, your son and then his addiction and loss, it's just so heartbreaking. And um, how are you coping yourself right now? Um, you said you are finding your identity. Like, is there any tools that you can share with your audience at this point for yourself, not for your clients? what can I share for myself or in general of how to deal with it? You know, I mean, for, are you keeping yourself up as well as your mental health and then, you know, your identity, uh, well-being, what is the tools that you're using yeah. to take, take care of yourself? Yeah. So for me, I give myself a lot of grace. Um, if I, if I have a day where I am just shut down because grief hits a new level, I give myself permission to just be whatever I'm going to be that day. If it's a puddle on, on my bed, I'm going to be a puddle on my bed and not feel like I have to push through it. So for me, I need that, that space and then getting into the water for me, it's water. You know, some people it, that's my nature is, is getting into the pool and, and being in touch and feeling, you know, the water completely surround me. It's like a blanket for me. And, uh, and allowing my emotions, you know, that that's the hard, that's the thing that I learned through all of this is feel, 
people don't want to feel. And it's the most important thing that we can do. That's why we're here is to understand these feelings, the feelings of grief, the feelings of happiness. You know, what is it like to be happy? You don't know unless you've been sad. Um, You know, so really allowing myself to feel. And if I need to go through a box of Kleenex, I go through a box of Kleenex. I don't deny myself that feeling. And I, I find more and more, and you know, and these are one of the techniques that you, you have, but if you're just willing to sit with that emotion and feel it, it'll usually go away fairly fast. Mm-hmm. And it's when we push it and we're like, no, I don't have time for you right now. And then we discover it's, we start stuffing it and then we start getting sick and, you know, stuff like that. And, and that's, I don't desire that. That's not another journey I want to go on. So for me, it's, it is really allowing that, that space. So more self-care than I've, I've had to do in my entire life. I can say that. Well, I'm glad that you are recognizing those feelings and allowing yourself to be, you know, those days that you just, you know, kind of check out. Um, So I want to share with you and with our audience that because of the stability of my child sex abuse and domestic violence that I um, have had no help or no language to understand what it was. My coping mechanism growing up was completely to numb myself and then not feel. And so if something happens for like a week or even like a year, I don't feel anything. And then sometimes it just comes up suddenly and I can't sleep or whatever. I had some sexual assault and then sexual harassment cases like maybe two, three years ago. And I didn't even know that was a crime or I didn't even know that was harassment until I started to share with my close friends. And then, oh my gosh, that is a crime. Oh my gosh, that's harassment. And that's how bad it is. Like, I can't feel. And what you're saying is so important to me. First of all, you have to recognize you're angry or you're offended. And then second thing is to be able to voice it. And this not only understand it, but to be able to voice it and nurture it. Mm-hmm. That is a process. It and is a takes, process. Yeah. And it takes courage to do that. Yeah. Because we're not, we're taught to stuff our feelings, you know, it's, especially in some cultures or even I, I think men even more so. And so when that happens, it just, uh, it creates a lot of disease. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And then I want to move on to the last question, which is a gift that came from your adversity. So how would you say a gift that came from this adversity? You know, the gift for me is being able to be a relationship coach and to be able to help others along this path. You know, if, if somebody's coming up with these kind of desires and, and uh, relationship stuff, or, you know, just relationships in general, that's my gift. So that's my gift of coming back. So it was like my hero's journey where my apple cart was upset. I had to go out, go on this adventure, find out who I was, and then slay those dragons and be able to come back and bring it back. And so that's my biggest gift as far as what I'm doing. And you know, with the gift that Tyler gave me, I mean, so many, there's just so many things, you know, he, 
I'm sorry. I don't know if I can go into it too much, but he, I can tell now he's even supporting me and probably even more so I feel his support in my life, even though he's not on this physical plane. He was always my biggest supporter. <laughs> and I'm just glad he didn't have to go through what he was going through. I'm so sorry. That's okay. It's a good thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And if I can make a difference by telling my story, mm -hmm. that's the gift right there. Because if it can help change one person or help one addict see that it's not worth it, that's what counts. Absolutely. Well, Gail, thank you so much for your story, being brave and sharing uh, my podcast. And as a mother of two children, like I know her and I just am grateful that you're here to share. And um, my last thing that I always ask for my guests is, what if somebody's listening to a podcast and then that person is going through what you went through? What's the biggest advice that you can give? <sighs> the biggest advice I can give is to really drop into yourself and begin to find you because everybody else is telling you who to be and how to be. And so take some time don't rush into things. Um, come to who you really want to be and what you want to be in this world and what you really desire, not what everybody else says. Well, thank you so much again for sharing your story and then sharing your time. And all my guests who came to my podcast, I really appreciate them. And then especially you, and uh, your son um, gave you courage to speak. Um, and I just want to really ground myself and appreciate you and your time. This has been my vision to share our diversity in this platform. So thank you so much again for being a part of this movement and part of the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And then we have more guests coming on, I guess, my diversity coming up this month, next month, and then October as well. So look forward to that. Thank you again, everyone.